All right, Jabosai, good morning. Good morning. Let me begin first by thanking the sponsors of this morning's stuff. And again, I, I apologize. Thank you for those who texted me or emailed me. I'm sorry if I inadvertently um, leave out anyone. The office is not uh, is not open, so I don't know that I have all the updated sponsorship information, but at least I'll, I'll go with what I have. So to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Teves, Dovi and Nina Elman for dedicating all of the Shi'udim and Drashos this month in honor of their daughter Ayelet becoming a Bas Mitzvah. May she grow, continue to grow into an incredible Bas Yisrael and a source of Nachas for her special Mishpacha. We thank our Day of Learning sponsors, Adam and Leslie Rosen, in honor of their son Gideon, finishing Mishnayis Seder Mizikin, quite beautiful. Alan Wiseman for dedicating the share. This is actually a Shabbos dedication. I'm sorry that I'm just getting to it now. Alan Wiseman for dedicating the shear in memory of his father, Moshe ben Laban. And we dedicate our shear in the Sosora for Shlema Faruch Aviva Bas Sheina Chanag. And I will say, if I left any, if I left out any of the dedications, please feel free just, uh, just to email me or to WhatsApp me. And in Merit Hashem, I will do my best to uh to, to get them all in. Alright, so with that, let us let us begin. It's such a schuss to be able to see everyone, schuss to see everybody in the in the base medrash at shul. Schuss to be able to see everybody here on on Zoom. Thank God my uh my internet is back up so now I can manage to see for the first time I can see everybody on my computer screen as opposed to just seeing you know one person on my phone screen. Mamish great to see everyone. And uh, so with that, let us begin. We have, a, we have a really incredible and beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Lamid. And we are actually picking up from the top of Lamid. So we'll say, so remember again, in yesterday's daf, towards the end of the daf, we ended off, we ended off with a discussion regarding fasting. It's, it's, it's much more of what's generally considered to be like a Yaradea discussion. Namely, again, about mixtures. Specifically, again, chametz is Aser. So the Shaila, and again, we've spent a significant amount of time speaking about the nature of the Isra of chametz. Chametz before Pesach, chametz after Pesach, chametz during Pesach. And in yesterday's that the Gemara got into, well, what about mixtures of chametz? Well, so just one word of introduction to this. Remember, we've already seen, based on the fact that the Torah uses a lotion of komach metzes. So remember again, since it says komach metzes, komach metzes by definition teaches me that even mixtures of chametz are going to be usr as well. This is incredibly important, even mixtures of chametz. So the Shaila, in the world of mixtures, we now have two different types of mixtures. There's what's called min bamino, where you have two like items which become mixed, and min b'she'en omino, two dissimilar items which become mixed. So in general, the halach is so, and again, there are various intricacies, because some say min bamino, afilu bamashu, right? If two like items get mixed together, so it can't really become an issue of taste. Why? Because since they are both the same, there's no real infusion of taste. The taste is the same. Min b'she'en omino, two dissimilar items might be a little bit easier to gauge because there you could see if the prohibited item infuses taste or not. So we saw a whole bunch of back and forth with this yesterday. Shmuel, Rabbi Yochanan, a couple of different rabs, Rab, Shmuel, Rabbi Yochanan, three different opinions on this discussion. So it comes to the top of Lamed, Amar Rabba, Rabba says, Hilchasa, Rabba say the halacha lamaisa is, Chamitz bizmano, Bein bamino, bein shalom bamino, asr b'mashu kerev. So we'll say, 
So Rava says, and this indeed is the halacha l'maisa, chametz bezmano, which means chametz on Pesach itself, bein b'mino, bein shilo b'mino. Whether chametz gets mixed in with like items or dissimilar items, aser b'mashuhu kirav. Chametz on Pesach, Rabosai is aser b'mashuhu. Any minute amount of chametz, by definition, becomes aser, becomes usher on Pesach itself. This is incredibly important, Rabbi says. So let's say, for example, just, just to illustrate this, so let's say during the year, you're preparing for Shabbos, and a drop of milk accidentally falls into your chicken soup, so everyone knows what's the halacha, bottle of bashishim, right? As long as there's 60 times more soup. So we'll say, when you have a little bit of chametz that falls into a mixture, even if there's a thousand times more, we'll call it matzah than chametz, chametz is not bottle on Pesach. Chametz is Asr B'mashu. So therefore, again, any... Now, I will say, th- th- there's an interesting discussion. Well, let me finish this first. Shalob however, again, not during Pesach itself. Shalob Ismano, Ben B'mino, Ben Shalob B'mino, Motor Rabbi Shimon. So I will say, interestingly enough, Shalob which means Halacha Lamais, again, after Pesach, after Pesach, then ultimately, again, any mixtures of chametz are going to be mutter, like Rabbi Shimon. And I will say, and I remember again, Rabbi Shimon was the one who held that halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa, chametz sha'avar alava Pesach is only, is not only, but is a knas, right? Is a rabbinic penalty. It's not a biblical prohibition. And what Rabbi Shimon will hold is that that knas only applies to what we call chametz be'en, Chametz be'en, only actual chametz. But mixtures of chametz are not subject to the halachos concerning, or the knas, I should say, of chametz sha'avar lava pesach. Say from Mosai, Rava really telling us a very important piece of halacha. A mixture of chametz on pesach, the chametz, chametz asr b'mashu. Any minute amount of chametz automatically becomes asr. It doesn't make a difference what the chametz is mixed in with, whether it's mixed in with mino, she'en mino, makes absolutely no difference. Halacha lamais, again, chametz will be asr. Chametz sha'avar lava pesach, what about a mixture of chametz after pesach? So that again, halacha lamais will be batal. Chametz will be batal on that mixture because the only time that the knas of chametz sha'avar alav ha pesach, ultimately, again, is problematic is when it's what's called chametz be'en, actual chametz. But mixtures of chametz are not subject to the kinas. And I will say that indeed is halacha lamaisa. Just, I'll, I'll just give you an, an extra kind of, it happens to be just uh, an extra maramakum. There's fascinating discussions in the post game about mixtures of chametz from before Pesach. I will say again, let's say I have a mixture from before Pesach, and the mixture was such that the chametz ingredient was bottle, was bottle. Does that bittle or does that bottle status carry into Pesach or not? Or perhaps once Pesach comes, chametz is what's called chazer veneer. Chametz once again is reawakened. Again, we'll, we'll actually, we'll see it in a, in a little bit. He's to say, did Rava actually say this? Vama Rava, but Rava said, Rabbi Shimon Kinasa Kanis. So we'll say, but one second, Rava said that Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon imposed the rabbinic penalty. We'll say, remember again, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, who holds that technically speaking, there is no love, right? There is no love. There is no prohibition on chametz after Pesach. So there is, there is no, there's biblical prohibition. Rabbi Shimon holds that it's a rabbinic prohibition. So the Gemara says, you're right. This is only true when 
This is only true ultimately, again, when the Chametz is in existence by itself. But even Rabbi Shimon will agree that what the Gemara is suggesting is as follows. You might have thought that once Rabbi Shimon is saying it's a knas, it's a penalty, so maybe the penalty applies to everything, right? Maybe the penalty of Chametz Sha'avar Alav HaPesach, Chametz that was owned by a Jew over Pesach, maybe that Chametz is subject to the penalty whether the Chametz is Ben, in other words, extant by itself, or maybe it's even in a mixture. Kamash Malon, no, Kamash Malon, that according to Rabbi Shimon, the knas, the penalty of Chametz Sha'avar Alav HaPesach, Halacha Lamaisa, is only in a situation where the Chametz itself is by itself. But the moment that it's in a mixture, Halacha Lamaisa, again, that penalty does not apply. But as the Rabbi Latame, and Rabbi Rabbi goes according to his previously established reasoning. I'm going to look at Rashi for just a moment. So Rav in general holds that the halacha follows Rabbi Shimon. Right? That, that's Rav's general approach. Namely, that again, Chamit Sha'avar Alav HaPesach, Midda'oraisa is mutter, but ultimately again is subject to a rabbinic penalty, a knas. So the Tame, look at Rashi. Da'amar Nami Ba'alma Chamit Sha'anachri Sha'avar Alav HaPesach, mutter, af ba'achila. The lekel of miknas be midi vi rabbi huda chamit stama kamafil and rachir. Both I say remember again. Therefore, also according to rabbi, according to rabbi Shimon, this is very important. According to rabbi Shimon, the knas of chamit sha'ava alava pesach only applies to Jews. Doesn't apply to non-Jews. So both say so. Remember again. So the chametz owned by a non-Jew over Pesach is totally muttered to a Jew after Pesach. The knas of chametz sha'ava alav hapesach only applies. To chametz owned by Jews, and I both say that very simple logic. Since if, I, if I'm a Jew and I own chametz over Pesach, I have violated Therefore, again, I'm slapped with a penalty after Pesach, and my chametz becomes usher for consumption, both me and for others. But again, Anachri, a guy obviously who was not in violation of there's no problem, and therefore, again, his chametz is totally fine after Pesach. So, also listen to this. The Yomar Buzz Rav Lotame, the Amr of that Rava, Ki Havino and Be Rav Nachman. Listen to this. As Rav has said, you know, when I was by Rav Nachman, when I was by Rav Nachman, listen to this. Ki Havonafki Shivyom de Pesra, when Pesach was over, Shibos say, again, in time immemorial, Jews always do the same thing on Matzei Pesach. Always do the same thing. And no, it's not get pizza. I want to be very clear on that. I have to tell you something. That's a Minag Yisrael that I've Pashat never understood. For seven days, we've been fressing Achila Gaza. And Mamish, somehow, again, there's an insatiable desire for pizza on Matzei Meaning no clothing fits. They have to carve out a few inches on the doorway. But somehow, Klal Yisrael needs pizza. That, not that Minag. But a basic other end, go to the supermarket, you have to get chametz, you have to get chametz, right? At, at the end of the day, I have to go ahead and get, so listen to this. So Rav says, when I was in the house of Rav Nachman, when Pesach was over, Amrlan, he would say to us, Rav Nachman would say to us, Poku go out, go out and buy chametz from the soldiers. Now look at Rashi, B'nei Chela, Nochrim Afalpi Shofihu Yom Zesh Avarvu Pesach. So both say, this is very interesting. So, so Rav is when I was by Ranachim, Ranachim does when Yanta was over. 
go out and soldiers, I guess there were soldiers stationed in the area. The soldiers had chametz, they had, they had baked bread during the day. So Rav Nachman said to us, go out and buy some bread from the soldiers. So I'll say, so it's actually very interesting because again, what the Gemara is suggesting is you see from here that halacha lamaisa, the, even though when was this, when was this bread baked? This bread was baked again by, by the soldiers on Pesach itself. But you see again, there's no issue of chametz sha'avar alav ha-pesach with chametz owned by Gentiles. So I'll say there again, it hap- now what I want to point out, I'll say something very, two interesting things over here. Number one, of course, this only works because the Gentiles did not bake it for the Jews, right? Remember again, if you have a situation of a, of a, of a Gentile who baked chametz for a Jew, so that's a different issue, not of chametz per se, but ultimately again of malacha, of malacha. Remember again, I'm not really supposed to benefit from a malacha that the Nachri does for me on Shabbos Yontav. This is why in a very simple example, you want to go to Dunkin' Donuts on Matzei Shabbos to get a, to get a donut. You know, there's, you have to wait, so you have to wait a certain amount of time after Shabbos before going in order not to benefit from, from Malacha potentially done on your behalf after Shabbos as well. So what's also interesting about this, although it's not a topic for now, is that they're eating bread baked by non-Jews, which is actually quite fascinating in and of itself. Um, again, this is a whole discussion in Masech HaSavod about Pas Akum, Pas Palter. You know, this was, it, it wasn't uncommon until not so long ago of Jews buying, you know, bread from, uh, from, from Goyim under certain circumstances. Again, so I'm just pointing out an interesting idea, not even, not on a topic, but I'm just pointing out over here that halacha lemaisa, so we'll say, so therefore Rava tells us three very important halachas. Number one, number one, that we've already established, like Rabbi Shimon, namely, that Chamit Sha'avar Lava Pesach is only Asr Alze Knas. It's a rabbinic penalty. It's a rabbinic penalty. Number two, it only applies to Chamit owned by Jews, not by non Jews. Number three, any mixture of Chamit on Pesach itself, or I should say, any mixture which contains Chamit on Pesach itself is going to be Asr Afilu Bemashahu. Even any minute amount, any minute amount of Chamit will Asr the mixture. Halacha. Number four, the prohibition or the knas of chametz sha'avar lava pesach only applies to what we call chametz be'en. Chametz be'en, which means chametz which exists on its own. But any chametz that is part of a mixture is not subject to the halachos of chametz sha'avar alav ha-pesach. Beautiful. Vaiter, Amarav. Rav says as follows, Kederos pepesach yishabru. So let's listen to this interesting case. So Rav says, if you have earthenware vessels, so we'll say now we're going to get into the topic of blios. If you have a utensil, ultimately, again, that absorbed chametz. So now I have an earthenware vessel that absorbed chametz before Pesach. So what do I do with it on Pesach? Rav says, you have to, you have to break it. You have to break it. Look at Nashi, we'll say very quickly. So we'll say, so we'll, we'll explain this in just a moment. But ultimately, again, Rav is saying, if you have blios, you have chametz absorptions in an earthenware utensil, you must go ahead and destroy the utensil. I don't understand. Why do I have to go ahead and destroy it? Let me just, obviously, I can't use it on Pesach itself. I, I, I got that. But let me just hold on to it till after Pesach. And ultimately, again, I'll make sure, I'll make sure to always use that utensil. Because you remember again, if I'm concerned that maybe if there's a chametz absorption in there, and that chametz absorption ultimately, again, was there through Pesach, 
Therefore, maybe according to that absorption becomes asr as well. And then if I go ahead and I cook like chametz or like item in there, it becomes min bamino. Min bamino is not bottle. I'll use it shalom bamino. Ultimately, again, there is a gzera that you may come to use it bamino. Okay. Shmuel, we'll say, say Shmuel, and I will say I'm focusing more on the sheet of Shmuel because this is the halacha lamaisa. Shmuel says, Lo yishabru, you do not have to break the earthenware utensils. No need for that. We'll say Shmuel holds that halacha lamaisa, there is no need to break anything. No need to break anything. But ultimately, again, you just go ahead and maintain it till after Pesach. And then after Pesach, you could use the, the pot, you could use the earthenware vessel for whatever you want. So we'll say, Shmuel ultimately, again, goes according to his Rose says, I just want to point out, according to Shmuel, what Shmuel is saying is like this. Halacha lamaisa, the Isra of chametz is on chametz be'en, actual chametz. What does the Isra of Chametz not apply to? It doesn't apply to absorptions. So therefore, again, what I want to point out, what, what does this mean on a practical level? On a practical level, is I can't use a Chametz pot, right? Because if I use the Chametz pot, ultimately, again, then I potentially release those absorptions into the food. But what I don't have to do is get rid of my Chametz utensils. In other words, I don't have to go ahead and destroy my utensils because of the absorptions. In other words, We'll say there's not a problem of ownership of absorptions. So, for example, I could own my chametz utensils. That's not a problem. I just can't own actual chametz. So, therefore, again, Rav seems to indicate that halacha lamaisa is a problem ultimately again with owning the absorptions. Shmuel holds that halacha lamaisa. No, you can't use the pots. And again, remember this is talking about earthenware utensils here. And earthenware utensils halacha lamaisa again. Really, they absorb, but they don't emit. So the problem you have with earthenware utensils are trapped absorptions. So Shmuel says you can't use them on Pesach, but you also don't have to destroy them. Just leave them alone, and after Pesach, you'll resume using it. Shmuel goes according to his reasoning. What does Shmuel say? So listen to this. So we'll say, so apparently what used to happen is as follows. After Pesach, it was very common for, for the pot salesman, uh, that doesn't sound right, right, for the, uh, for, for the, for, for the, uh, for the utensil salespeople to go ahead. It, it, this is, uh, this was, uh, yeah, good. Uh, I'll keep it. So let's say, so again, this was, um, for the utensil, for the cookingware salespeople, for the cookingware salespeople to go ahead and sell new, new cookingware after Pesach. So we'll say, so what would happen? Because some people used to think that, you know, after Pesach, you need new pots. And I will say in general, there's a lot of confusion around Pesach. You know, you see this every year with sometimes like the crazy extent that people go to with cleaning it. Of course, you have to clean. You have to clean. But anytime something in your Yiddishkeit is making you crazy, chances are you're doing it wrong. The ways of the Torah are beautiful. The ways of Yiddishkeit are beautiful. If something is giving you anxiety or making you crazy, then you're just not doing it correctly. So we'll say, so again, so apparently people used to buy new pots. They used to buy new pots and pans after, uh, after Pesach. So we'll say, so what happened? So there was a shtigl price gouging sometimes, right? The, the demand was intense. So Shmuel told, Shmuel told the utensil salespeople, he said, listen, he said, if you price gouge, 
He said, I will make a public announcement that people don't have to buy new utensils. And if I make a public announcement that people don't have to buy new utensils, you're going to be out of business. So I'm happy, I'm happy to let you sell your stuff. But at the end of the day, keep your prices reasonable. Because if you price gouge, I will go ahead and tell everybody that the halacha follows Rabbi Shimon. Rashi says, Because remember again, the only potential reason you would say that, that pots after Pesach would be problematic would be because it would be a result of Chomit Sha'avar Alava Pesach. But remember again, we passed like Rabbi Shimon, and according to Rabbi Shimon, Chomit Sha'avar Alava Pesach is a knas, is a penalty. And the only time the penalty applies is when, is when, is to actual chametz itself. Remember, say again, just plain chametz, meaning not a mixture of chametz, and certainly not to absorptions of chametz. So, so you have over here Shmuel telling Shmuel telling the utensil salespeople, guys, don't price gouge, or I'm going to dash, and that people don't really need to buy new utensils at all. So, we'll say, so the Gemara says, I velidrosh lahu the hashmuel Rabbi Shimon severely. So, I don't say Shmuel, why why don't you give that cheer? I don't understand why why not go ahead and give that cheer, why not tell the people, arm the people with the logic, with the knowledge, that halacha lamayis, again, the halacha falls Rabbi Shimon, because they're very interesting, the Gemara says, Asrei Dirav Hava, Kishmuel wasn't in his own city, Shmuel was in the city of Rav, and Rabbi remember again, Rav is on record as saying that halacha lamayis, if you have earthenware utensils with chamin's absorptions, you really do have to break them, so because Shmuel was not in his own city, he would not paskin halacha, which Rabbi say is such an incredible, and beautiful display of humility, we saw this again, in the beginning of Masech Shabbos, as well, not beginning of Masech Shabbos, in Masech Shabbos, or in Erevin, excuse me, we spoke about, again, how deferential a Talmud has to be to a Rebbe. In this case, again, Rav and Shmuel are not Talmud and Rebbe, they're, they're peers, they're peers. But Lamaise, again, Shmuel thought it inappropriate, ultimately, again, to pask in Halach and Rav City, which I will say is in general also about the need to be respectful to practices and norms even if they're not our own. You know, sometimes, again, we, we find ourselves in circumstances and we might have a different set of practices or values or whatever approaches and we find ourselves in a different So often we like to go ahead and bring our hashkafas and our values and our practices with us and seek to impose them in every situation. A person has to know your hashkafas, your values, your practices are incredible. But sometimes you have to respect the minagam makam as well, even if it's different than what you would do. So Shmuel ultimately again says, listen, I'm not going to get up and give a shir since the Allah of Rabbi Shimon because I'm in the city of Rav. Good. But say weiter. In this fascinating case. Suppose listen to this case. There was a situation ultimately again of an oven, of an oven. Now we'll say, now just so you understand, in general we assume that whenever the Gemara talks about an oven, it's an earthenware oven. That's the assumption we're making. Now again, we'll challenge that in a bit but Lamai said that's the assumption for now. So there was a particular oven that was smeared with grease. With grease. So we'll say, look at Rashi. He says, It's the first wide line. So we'll say, so what they would do is they would put some like schmaltz, they would put some grease on the, on the bottom of the oven and they would put the, the bread would bake on that. So it accomplished two things. Number one, it would infuse some taste into the into the loaf of bread, but it also had like a shtickle frying effect. Right? So, so, you, so you baked, but because the schmaltz, because the fat was there, it also had a, a frying effect. So the Gemara said, listen to this. Asra rava bar rifta, afilu olam. 
So we'll say, Rav Abba he said, the bread is Aser. The bread is Aser, and you can't even eat it ultimately again with salt. So we'll say, which means you can't eat this loaf of bread is prohibited for consumption. Now, and I want to point out over here, this is not a case of Chalev, right? Chalev is forbidden fat. This is a case of Shuman, right? Shuman is permitted fat. So I just want to be clear on the situation. So here, I'm smearing the bottom of my oven with permitted fat, right? Whether I'm actually putting the bread on it or I'm going ahead and baking the bread in it, the assumption is that the bread itself has an absorption of shuman, an absorption of the schmaltz, of the fat, the permitted fat. So therefore, Rava said, it is usher to go and eat this bread. So we'll say, so why? Why? Because you may come to eat this bread with kusach. Rava remember again, kusach is that Babylonian dip made, delicious, made of curdled milk, moldy bread, right? It's milchiks. It's milchiks. Right, so therefore, we'll say this happens to be a fascinating sugya that halacha lemaisa you are not permitted to make. You can't make anything other than par of bread. This halacha in shulchan aruch gemar mesechas levodizara. You are not permitted to make fleshik bread or milchik bread, milk dairy bread or meat bread. Why? Because since bread is a meat staple, oh sorry, is a meal staple, right? That is eaten with all kinds of meals. The concern is that if you make a loaf that's milchiks or fleshiks, you just may come to inadvertently eat it with the other kind of food item and inadvertently transgress. So therefore the halacha is bread is always part. Now the truth is we'll say there are some exceptions to that rule as well. But halacha says so again, I'll say in this case over here, someone smeared the oven with schmaltz, they put a little bit of fat on it or a lot of fat on it, baked the bread inside of that oven. Rava bar Ahiloi said that halacha say you can't eat the bread even by itself. Even by itself, Mesve, so the Gemara says, really, is that true? Right? So you can't go ahead and knead a bread with milk. And if you did so, the entire loaf is Asr because of Hergalavera. And about Hergalavera, same idea. You can't go ahead and start making milchik spread because milchik spread ultimately, again, it's a recipe for disaster, right? That person is just going to inadvertently end up going ahead and eating it with a fleshik meal. Kiyotsebo, similarly, Ahmed Bezer will say, Kiyotsebo, in Toshin es Hatanur Ba'alya, you also can't go ahead and coat an oven with alya, with fat. The Tosh, alya is the, alya is the, um, Specifically, the fat of the tail. And if you did so, if you did so, all of the bread baked inside of the oven is going to be asr. Until you go ahead and you burn out the oven, which will say essentially is another way of saying you you have to kasha the oven. So in, words, in this case over here, again, I, I smeared the oven with the schmaltz. So again, so the Gemara is telling me over here that any bread baked with that schmaltz is going to be asr. But if you burn out the oven, then hello, you kasha the oven, then you could once again go ahead and cook part of bread in there and you're good to go. Ha hosakatanor mihashari. Now we'll say now here's what's interesting. Just, just to kind of just to kind of frame the kasha in the right way. See so we'll say when when Rava the Gimara seems to understand over here that in Rava Bar Ahiloi's case, what he was saying was once the oven was smeared with schmaltz. You can't cook bread, you can't bake bread in there ever. 
You can't bake bread in there ever. That's what it sounds like. Because any bread baked in there ever is going to be flacious. Yet now the Gemara brings another bread. So, and the bread says, you know, same thing. You can't go ahead and coat the oven with the, with the fat of the tail. But if you did so, it's not a problem. You can always go ahead and burn it out. You can burn it out. You can capture it. So the Gemara says, Ha husakatanar miyashari. So ultimately, and Abu said, this refutes the position of Rava Bar Ahiloi. And indeed it refutes. It's therefore, Abu said, everyone will agree that if you coated the oven with schmaltz and you went ahead and, and you cooked the bread in that oven, that the bread is going to be fleshic and prohibited for consumption. But if the oven is kashered, then ultimately, again, you can go ahead and bake Power of bread in there as well. So the Gemara says as follows: Armali Ravina the Ravashi. So Ravina said Ravashi, "V'chi me'achar di isosiv Rava bari loy, amai ka'amarav kederos bepesach yishabru." I will say, but one second after, now we've effectively refuted the position of Rava bar ahiloi. Then ultimately, again, why does Rav still hold that utensils which have chametz absorptions? Need to be broken. So, we'll say, look at Rashi for just a moment. So, we'll say, so remember again, like I said before, the assumption we make is that whenever we talk about a tanur, a tanur ultimately again is made of earthenware. What did we just learn about? So, what did we just see? Apparently, you could kasher an earthenware oven. Vaharaya. If you go ahead and you coat it with schmaltz and you bake a loaf of bread in there, the loaf of bread is going to be usher. But if you go ahead and you burn out the oven, then halacha lamaisa, you could go ahead and subsequently bake bread in there. Okay, so which tells me that I could go ahead and effectively kasher an earthenware utensil. Well, if you can kasher an earthenware utensil, then halacha lamaisa, why does Rav say that earthenware utensils with chamis absorptions have to be, have to be, have to be broken? Why don't you just kasher it? To which the Gemara says, Oh, to which the Gemara says, no. In fact, the Tanur that we're talking about, Rabosai, is in fact not a Tanur made of earthenware, but rather, in fact, it is a Tanur made of metal. Of metal. Talking about a metal utensil, not an earthenware utensil, whereas opposed to when Rav said you have to break the utensils that have Hamid's absorptions, he was talking about a utensil made of earthenware. So we'll say, so this totally changes the conversation. So now again, back to kind of what we, what we already knew, to always kind of always knew to be true, which was that metal can be kasher through purging, but ultimately again, earthenware cannot. And therefore Rav would hold that the utensils, the earthenware utensils, which have chametz absorptions must be destroyed, but a tanor, which was smeared with, uh, with oil, with, uh, with, with schmaltz, can be kashered through simply burning it out because you're dealing with a metal oven. The Gemara Zaviba is saying the other possibility is Hava Habishal It could very well be that Halacha both the oven in question as well as the utensils in question are both made of earthenware. But one second, if that's the case, then I should say just like the oven could be kashered and remove, remove any semblance of the schmaltz from it, so too the utensils should be kasherable and remove the chametz from it. To which the one supposed to is fascinating. Oh, listen to this. Here's the difference between an oven and a utensil. An oven is kashered from the inside out. 
versus a utensil which would be kashered from the outside in. So as I say, interestingly enough, the Gemara makes a fascinating dis- distinction over here. That halacha lamaisa, again, it could very well be that when do we say, under normal circumstance, let me say differently, when do we say that an earthenware utensil can be kashered? That's only able to say with a superior form of kashering, which means kashering from the inside out, where the fire is placed on the interior of the utensil, such as an oven. But let's say again, with an earthenware utensil, where normally that's not the way that it's kashered, halacha lemaisa, again, the earthenware utensil will not be kasherable. And that's why Rav holds, although again, I'll say we saw Shmuel disagrees, we pass on like Shmuel, but Rav holds that halacha lemaisa, you have to go ahead and break any earthenware utensils with chametz absorptions. But one second, the chitema, Okay, so fine. So just why not say kasher earthenware utensils with fire from within? As well, say take your blowtorch, put it inside the earthenware utensil, and kasher it like that. So both say this is incredible. The Gemara says chayisalam mishum depaka. So both say because we're concerned that a person is not really going to kasher it well because he's concerned that halachalamaisa the earthenware utensil is going to break. So both say there's a lot of interesting halachas here that are referencing Hilko's Heksher Kalim, the halachas of kashering utensils. So for example, one of the concepts we have by Heksher Kalim is that if you have a utensil that, you're, that is delicate, that you're concerned is, is going to break, under certain circumstances, that utensil is not really kasherable. Because what's the concern? The concern is you're not really going to do a thorough job in kashering it because you're too scared regarding the fragility of the utensil. So, so listen to what's happening over here. So the Gemara is suggesting as follows. We always thought up until now that an earthenware utensil cannot be kashered, but yet we see that an earthenware oven can be kashered, to which the Gemara says, you're right, that's because you're burning it from the inside out. But when Rav said that earthenware utensils which have chametz absorptions need to be broken, that's because those you would kasher from the outside, and that kashering process is not thorough enough, and therefore, said that's why, that's why it is going to, yeah, you have to break it. I, the Gemara says, so why not just kasher the earthenware utensils from the inside out? No, because we're concerned you're not really going to do a thorough enough job in kashering it, because you're going to be too concerned that the earthenware utensils are going to break. And in any situation where we're, when we are concerned that you would be preoccupied with the fragility of the utensil, we're concerned that that will compromise the quality and integrity of your kashering process. Hilchach, therefore the Gemara says, Hai buchya, this buchya. Now, now this is actually very interesting. Rashi says, buchya is clean. Shehu merafim shekorin tailish v'ofin umetagnin bokikar. So we'll say, so Rashi calls this, Rashi calls this, a tile, tilish is a tile. If you look, if you have the Hagos, it's in your Gemara, you can see the letter Bays. Luchos Cheres, Hamisham Shemin Lechipoi Hagagos. So we'll say, so literally, Rashi says it's referring ultimately again to a roof tile. So we'll say, so, so, so what they had is they had roof tiles that were, that were earthenware. They were earthenware roof tiles. So we'll say, so interestingly enough, so like, like an earthy cell. So let's say, so, so interestingly enough, so what would happen? Technically speaking, you could bake bread on those tiles. They would say, yeah, the extra tile I'm going to use it. Now, it's interesting, we'll see later on that this buchya, this buchya was actually circular in nature. So what you would do is you would actually go or semi-sar, have some, some, some type of circular form. So listen to this. Hilcha, hai buchya, 
Hesiko mibachutsu. So let's say, so normally if you were to bake bread in the bochia, ultimately, again, what would you do? You would put the dough inside the tile or on the tile, and then you would put the fire underneath the tile. That's normally how you would do it. However, the Gemara says, Hesiko mibachutsu va'asr. So we'll say, under normal circumstances, I would say, therefore, a buchya cannot be kashered. Because a buchya, like for Pesach, because a buchya, like any other earthenware utensil, ultimately is what? Is, is heated from the outside, not from the inside, and therefore, Allah can't be kashered for Pesach. However, shapir dami. but interestingly enough, if you were to go ahead and fill it with coals, Allah it would work. So we'll say, apparently, if you have a utensil, an earthenware utensil, which you could fill with fire on the interior, and there would be no concern, ultimately, again, with breakage, then halacha said that would be permitted on, yom, on uh, for, for kashering for Pesach as well. All right, so therefore, we'll say, a lot of very interesting halachas come out of this. So in general, we'll say, you should know, we don't kasher earthenware for Pesach. We don't kasher earthenware in general. There are certain exceptions to this rule with earthenware that hasn't been used for a prolonged amount of time. Like if you have an earthenware utensil that has sat dormant for a long time, there may be there may be kulas associated with that. But in general, we don't kasher earthenware because we assume that when it comes to earthenware, earthenware absorbs, but it does not emit. But so we also see from here that halacha lamaisa, again, the whole sugi with milchiks and fleshiks. But I'll just say something very interesting, just an exception to this rule. So general, the halacha is you can't make bread that is milchiks or fleshiks. Bread can only be parav. The only exception to this rule, I'll say, is if you make bread in a specific shape. So for example, let's say again, you make, you make bread, you know, in the, in, in the, in the form of a cow. That doesn't look very, sound very appealing. But at Lamaisa, you make bread in the shape of a cow. So that, and that's my fleshic loaf. So if there's a simon on the loaf, if there's a simon on the loaf, that halacha lamaisa again indicates that it's mukhliks or fleshiks, Shulchanark says that could be permitted. Another possibility also is if everyone knows that a particular type of bread is mukhliks or fleshiks, that could also, for example, potato bread. I don't know why it's, for example, potato bread is often mukhliks, is often dairy. So certain types of bread, which by definition are always, but again, general the halacha is, we make bread parav. And this is incredibly important, I will say, because again, sometimes a person is baking challah, you're baking challah on Erev Shabbos, and again, you're also baking other things in your oven. Well, you know, if you go ahead and you bake challah in your oven when you're baking your chicken, so your challah is fleshiks. Your challah is fleshiks. And that is, one should not do that. Right? You could, you could cover the chicken or cover the challah. I don't know if you could cover challah when you bake it. But, but Lamaisa, you have to, you have to make sure that the challah, that bread does not become milchiks or fleshiks. Good. Weiter. Says the Gemara, Amalei Rabbi Rabashi, Hani Sakini Bepesach. So we're going to spend now a little bit of time talking about kashring on Pesach, which is really quite interesting. Hani Sakini Bepesach, Hechi Abdina Lo. So we'll say, how do you kasher knives for Pesach? How do you kasher knives for Pesach? So says the Gemara, Amalei Lididi Charataka Avidna. So listen to this, Rabbi Nesetz Rabashi. Rabbi, how do I kasher knives for Pesach? Rabashi says, by us we don't kasher knives, we just get new knives. So listen to this. Okay, Rabbi, that's very nice. Ravashi, you can get new knives. What about for the rest of us that can't get new knives? How do we kasher our existing knives for Pesach? Says the Gemara. No, 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 you don't say. I didn't literally mean that we actually buy new knives, but rather what I meant was we make our knives like new knives. 
How do you make your knives like new knives? So listen to this. Well, this is fascinating. So the Gemara says, so first thing we do is we wrap the handle in clay. Now we're going to see the reason they were doing that was to protect the handle while they were koshering the blade. Then we go ahead and we, we, put, the, we put the blade in fire. So therefore I both say they're koshering the, the blade of the knife through libun, through fire, through fire. And then we uncover the handle from the clay. So we'll say the clay was there to protect the handle from fire. And then we go ahead and we put the handle ultimately in boiling water. Because the handle itself could be captured in boiling water. Both the blade as well as the handle ultimately again could go ahead and be submersed in hot water. Ubiklirishon. Rabbi has to be the type of boiling water that's a clearishon. So clearishon ultimately means a pot of fire, a pot of water that is on the fire. See, Baruch Fischl is on. Baruch Fischl could attest to this. He's done this many, many years for us in the shul. So we'll say, so that's how we kasher. So we'll say that. What I want to point out to here is something very interesting, which is, which is a halacha in the halachas of kashering. See, Rabbi say, the general rule is as follows. In general, when it comes to kashering, there's, there's one rule that governs kashering, which is kibolo kach polto. However the item comes in, the absorption comes in, is how the absorption comes out. That's the general rule. And that's why Ravashi was saying that halach again, a knife, a knife, which generally could be used with, let's say, items on the fire or contact with hot items directly, is generally going to be kashered through fire itself. What the Gemara now is suggesting will say is as follows. Chametz, kashering for Pesach is an interesting thing because an absorption of chametz before Pesach is a totally permitted absorption. It's only on Pesach itself that the absorption becomes problematic. So when I come to kasher my utensils before Pesach, I have to kasher my utensils from an absorption that technically speaking in this moment is a permitted absorption. So because it is a permitted absorption, the halachos of kashring are a bit more relaxed. It's what's called hetera bala. The object or the absorption that is in my knife is actually technically speaking permitted. So because of that, generally hagala, putting an item in boiling water will work for most things. Will really work for most things. And that's what it means already. The Gemara says, What about a... Um, a um a wooden serving spoon or, or Rashi says magisin really a wooden mixing spoon sorry wooden mixing spoon so what's the halacha magila beroschin rishon ultimately again all you do is you you go magila beroschin you go ahead and you immerse it in hot water or actually do hagala in boiling water ubikli rishon which means a primary utensil on top of the fire kasara kibalo kachpolto and I both say there it's a little bit more direct kibalo kachpolto the way it goes in is the way it comes out. How is a wooden mixing spoon used? So a wooden mixing spoon is used in a pot on the fire, right? I use it to mix. So I'm mixing, I'm mixing my, uh, my, uh, my chametz soup or my chametz stew. So now the, mixing, the, the wooden mixing spoon is chametz. How do I kasher it? Again, same way, same way. By immersing it in a pot of boiling water on top of the fire. Boy, me name, may I remember? So this is a great case. So that's why I remember the following case. Honey, money, de kunya. So listen to this. We now come to the sugya of clay kunya. So this actually, the primary sugya of clay kunya, I will say, is in Avodah Zorah. 
Logi Rashi's Mun Kunya, Polymir, Belaz, Michel Cherasu, Betavach, Baeber. So, what's this? this. If you look, by the way, he has it. So, what's this? So, this essentially, clay kunya are coated utensils. In this case, what we're dealing with is as follows I have an earthenware utensil that has a lead coating. A lead coating. I will say. Now, this is actually very dramatic because earthenware, remember, as we just established before, absorbs and doesn't emit. Lead is metal. Metal absorbs and it emits. So we'll say, so what happens when you have a clay kunya? What happens when you have an earthenware utensil that is coated with lead? What is the status of that utensil, specifically vis-a-vis kashring? It's an incredible kasha. To which the Gemara says, listen to this. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, if it's a, if it's a green, if it's one of the green utensils, if it's one of the green utensils, if this is a, if this is the clay kunya, that the earthenware part has a greenish hue, so it's very interesting. Rashi says, so apparently the alum content is very high of that type of earthenware. And halacha lamaisa, again, Rashi says over here, it absorbs, it has a strong absorption quality, and therefore it does not emit. So if it's one of the greenish utensils, then halacha lamaisa can't be kashered for Pesach. Where does your kasha come up? So the Gemara says, If it's a black one or a white one, Furthermore, I will say if it has cracks, if it has cracks in it, cracks in any utensil will generally render it unable to be kashered. I will say that is a that is in the laws of kashering. Whenever you have cracks, Cracks tell you you cannot kasher this particular utensil. So the Gemara says, So what I'm asking is, what happens if the utensil is smooth? So we'll say, so what happens if I have a clay kunya, which is an earthenware utensil coated with lead, coated with lead of the black variety or the white variety that is smooth? Can such a utensil be, can such a utensil be kashered for Pesach or not? We'll say, what's really driving this discussion? What is the status of a coated utensil? Does the status of a coated utensil determined by the underlying kli? In this case, it's an earthenware utensil. Or do we look at the coating as giving the identity to the utensil? Samarle, Chazin says, We see that when you go ahead and you use a utensil like this, this type of clay kunya, this earthenware utensil coated with lead, we see that ultimately, again, the utensil sweats. It sweats. Look at Rashi. Dimidaisi Poltin Hamashkin Midofnon Hachitzon. The Haven Dimidaisi Vadai Bali, Vaholu Bali Shul Enon Poltin. So we'll say the fact that it sweats indicates thus that Halachalam I said clearly absorbs. Alma Bali Vasiri. Ultimately, again, therefore it absorbs and therefore it is Asr. Vatore Idak Tikharish and Yotim Deidof Yavaulam. And we'll say once you demonstrate that it absorbs, and we're talking about an earthen, earthenware utensil. Once an earthenware utensil absorbs, it never emits that which it absorbed. To which the Gemara says, But why is this different than a case of Yayin Nesach? What happened by Yayin Nesach? So Darush Meremar, because Meremar said, Mani de Kunya, Ben Ochma, Ben Chiyuri, Ben Yeruki, Shari. But listen to this. Meremar said, that when it comes to these clay kunya, right? Whether, again, you're talking about black clay kunya, white clay kunya, green clay kunya, shari. Ultimately, again, it is permitted for you. So as we'll say, even if you put yayin nesach 
inside of one of these utensils. Yainess, remember again, is idolatrous wine. The utensil itself is still permitted. I maybe will say, here's the difference. Yes, I could use clay kunya even after it had yayinesech in it because we're both saying at the end of the day is only dirabanan. Right now, when we say yayinesech dirabanan, it means wine that belongs to a Gentile is asr dirabanan. Obviously, wine that was actually used for avodah zara ultimately, again, is asr midaraisi. They're using yayinesech over here as wine owned by a Gentile. And therefore, the Gemara says, that's not a good reason. Called the tikkun rabbanan king daraisa tikkun. But whenever the rabbis enact their halachas, they always enact their drabanas like a daraisa. Amrale, very simple. Zetashmisho, I'm sorry. Ultimately, again, the Yemara says, here's the difference. The difference is when you're using the clay kunya for wine, you're using it for cold. So we'll say because you're using it for something cold, there's not an absorption. But by the chametz, you're using it for something warm. And when you're using it for something warm, that's when there's an absorption. We'll say another very interesting halacha. So therefore, we'll say what comes out over here is as follows: that that halacha lamaisa, the halacha lamaisa with these clay kunya. We'll say just in general, I would just tell you. Let me just let me finish before before I go on to this next piece. With clay kunya in general, there's an incredible amount of discussion about it, about the status of these clay kunya. When you have a utensil that has an outer coating, that's one type of Min and an inner utensil that's something else. What is the status of utensil? Both say, so here we're talking about, here we're talking about earthenware utensils that are ultimately coated with, let's say, a lead glaze. So what you begin to see from the halacha over here is at least legabe chametz, we're still going to treat that ultimately again as an earthenware utensil and therefore cannot be kashered for Pesach use. Interestingly enough, if you used it for something cold, then halacha we assume no absorption, no absorption occurred. But I will tell you with this, I'll conclude, but I'll tell you where this comes up. Interestingly enough, halacha lamaisa is about say, what is the status of glazed china? Glazed china. So china is earthenware. China's earthenware. Earthenware ultimately, again, does not require tevila, does not require immersion in the mikvah. Yet very often, china has a glaze. That glaze is glass. Is glass. Glass does require tevila. So I will say, what is the status of glazed china? Is it earthenware, which doesn't require tevila? Is it ultimately, again, glass, which does require tevila? Major machlokia saposkin. Major machlokia saposkin, I will say, again, based on this entire discussion. I will say, we'll have to stop over here for today. We'll pick up Emirates Hashem with with Amar Rava, Emirates Hashem tomorrow. I will say, an incredible yashikayach to everyone. Have a wonderful day. Shikayach, everyone.